episode 3 with Dr. Urvi Jangam, Suman vs. Human. Before we start, just a quick question. Why did you name this podcast? I mean, just out of curiosity, why did you name this podcast Suman versus Human? Ah, because I am Suman, and I don't consider myself as human. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. Good evening, Doctor Urvi. Welcome to my show, Suman vs. Human. I'm so happy to invite you to my show because uh, you are the first woman who is going to join this show, Suman vs. Human. Dr. Urvi, you are a fighter because from NICU to your doctoral studies, you were fighting throughout your life and today. and today you are standing so steady that you became a inspirational personality a role model to not only to the people who are disabled also to the young india in fact the women of this world so dr urvi you are the first disabled women to crack phd in german studies so i'm so proud about it and uh, i along with my team suman versus human we salute you welcome to Thank the show you. dr urvi we would like to know more details about your life your journey because your journey was never easy so please do share all those good bad things with us so you know it was started with um my birth and i was being a premature baby i was um you know i had to be in incubator for a couple of months leading to the fact that due to doctors errors um i was diagnosed with retinopathy of prematurity the retina got damaged of course so yeah that's how it all started and my parents were the actual fighters or they still are they are the actual fighters because they decided not to give up so you know uh, to cut it short i was taken to the us thrice i was operated there within the span of one and a half years um with the outcome that this eyesight couldn't be restored except for the light perception but that is where it all started generally that could have been the end of the story right because urvi you know what today we we were seeing this because this is happening this is not just for a heck of discussion but i personally have seen many many parents giving up in the initial days when the baby is in the incubator when the hospital or the doctor tells them that the baby has anomaly they give up they give up and uh, in fact i have seen such a worse things that parents ask ask the doctors to stop the treatment but i through this show i salute your parents a big namaskars to them so yeah that's how it all started and then uh, we came back to india they decided to 
um, put me into main mainstream integrated school so that you know I was not left behind. They always wanted to me to be uh, at par with my sighted counterpart. So you know, be it school or be it at home, uh, I was always encouraged to um, be with fellow humans. So I used to play around with my sighted counterparts, uh, neighbors, friends, etc. Or uh, whether at school, I was always encouraged to participate in all the activities. So you know, I learned gymnastics, for example. When I was four, I started learning gymnastics, and obviously my father had to, um, you know, struggle because no one would let you in. You know, they didn't. They it was a summer camp, but of course, who is going to let a child with a disability in? So, but the coach was uh, really nice, and as in as in someone who was who who harbored that inclusive inclusive attitude. So that is how I landed up, and I I started learning gymnastics and. It was an amazing experience, for instance. Teaching gymnastics uh, for the sighted person, or I can say mainstream, is different. But teaching gymnastics to a person with disabilities is really great work. So it's it's something amazing. Yeah, and then you know, like this was just one of the examples. I learned horse riding, so my parents ensured that I learned varied things. My concepts were clear right from the beginning. So that I could be at par with the sighted world, wow. and that is what has uh, helped me to this day. So, what made you to choose arts in your graduation language? So, I am a language person. You know, right from my school days, I used to love studying literature, and um, I used I love reading books. So, you know, I mean, whether children's stories, you know, right from grim fairy tales to regional language stories. I started from a very young age um, to listen to stories, whether my mother reading them out to me or we used to have uh, cassettes, you know, read by different um, renowned artists uh, in Marathi uh, who read children's stories or friends reading out and so on and so forth. So it all started from there and ending at the fact that, you know, I did learn Sanskrit in school and I... That's how I came to German. Like my um, tutor, who used to coach me for Sanskrit, he in- encouraged me to. I mean, he had this idea that I should learn German because he had stayed in Germany for a couple of years, worked there. So um, he was the one who said that you know, if you learn German, you will command that same respect that sans- that a person who's learned Sanskrit would command in this world. You know, if you want to develop your intellect and if you want to reach. Um, those heights because obviously no one knew back then that I was going to do my PhD in German studies um, at the same time you know yeah I, I mean my mother my potential my love for languages was always realized so I still remember the day I was in fourth grade and I was in the bus with my dad coming home from school on my way home and we were just, it was a crowded bus, you know, and luckily we had a seat where both of us could be seated. And that was a time when when my dad had told me, you know what, no matter which subject you hope for, for later in your life, but ensure that you get a PhD and you reach those heights. Uh, Dr. Urvi, and that sounds <laughs> amazingly well. So, yeah, I started learning German whilst at Ferguson College in Pune. I completed my junior college from Ferguson and that's how my journey started with the German language. While you were pursuing, you know, your studies in German, so 
uh, how how difficult was that because i know getting things accessible is not that easy in this country at least because uh, availability of the books you know accessible books uh, when it comes to literature is not that easy yes of course so you know it was it was a tough path so i it was one of those multi-layered processes which i had to master myself so um you know i i love challenges so i remember when i was there was a first day in my class in german uh, lecture for the first day and the prof, prof had asked me you know why why are you here like you know you should have opted for a subject probably for a regional language uh, and you would just pass because you need the minimum passing scores and she had no idea what she was talking about because you know she just judged me on my face that is my external appearance that is my disability mm-hmm. and that's where i decided i have to prove her wrong and not just her but every single person the tendency which says that disability could be a barrier you know was I, that not depressing to you no not at all i mean yes of course it was hurtful you know and i was fuming but then that is that's that was where, that's where my opportunity lay okay. hidden beneath that um roadblock so yeah you know it all started from there and then i joined i i learned german i decided to continue with the language um after coming back to bombay and learned the language from goethe institute and i had a wonderful teacher who who um nurtured that interest further and and who actually helped me learn the language you know because learning a foreign language there are a lot of visual aspects involved and you know um simple things like making um you understand the powerpoints because you you i mean since the sessions are monolingual and not bilingual and multilingual so as a blind individual it can slightly difficult at the same time the teacher ensured that um, i was explained everything like my um, sighted peers my classmates described images and videos to me and i had to scan books so i heavily relied on audio recordings in the first place because um till then my mother used to record all my books right from school days though i started using jaws i always relied because um handwritten notes cannot be scanned and the technology was not so far back back in 2004 2005 that you know um even getting jaws uh, or, or something like proofing tools for office 2000 i mean you know i had office 2007 back then so using the screen reader you can use the computer as normal people do of course that's the first step Great. i mean you know <laughs> uh, i think without that it would have been really because um i i won't say that the computer is the only solution but i mean i won't go as far as that because i cherish the human factor equally i mean the way my sighted peers have described those images to me or the way the teacher has found a way out from the existing methodology because there was no previous uh, blind candidate they had no experience whatsoever so i think the human factor is always more has more um, weightage is more important nevertheless technology does have its role to play great yes and uh, 
you have to give all these exams on the computer or uh, you need to no back then i used scribes because you know uh, computers were not allowed in exam rooms getting a scribe to write german is a difficult thing in india right oh yes and that you when the rule says that you have to have a writer a scribe who is one level below you and the person cannot understand what you're saying <laughs> so then especially like when i later when i started um, when i opted for my masters in german studies that used to be a big hurdle because that was a huge leap again uh, no so coming back to the point um, in goethe institute i took scribes at the same level because german had to be an exception i mean that that rule had to be uh, it wasn't applicable in that yeah but still but still the scribe is not Uh, a native of germany right right that's okay i mean see that was that was just a phase that it was a learning process for his or her mistakes will also impact your scoring oh yes that does that does happen and that is not not just the case in german it's in the case with all exams so i remember and but yeah with german particularly pronounced as you rightly uh, pointed out so i remember it was my uh, 12th final exams and i was i was prepared i had stayed up the whole night and god knows i had a scribe again because you know you were not allowed to uh, take your laptops back in those days and i dictated every answer with i mean whatever accuracy whatever i had learned i could i could muster at that point of time and i was shocked hence when my scores came out because i had scored 90 above 90 in every 90 plus in every paper except for german and just because my scribe Uh, you know couldn't stand up to the challenge she was probably distracted that day yeah and she just when i asked her whether she wrote i mean you know whether she had written the answers she just said yes whereas i mean you know <laughs> she possibly didn't write the answers yes. so my scores just landed up to 54 on 100 which was a disaster i have to share my personal experience uh, i i failed in one of my subjects in plus 2 only because of scribe this is the serious problem what uh, people with disabilities are going through in this country yeah anyways let's come back to the subject uh, <laughs> after your masters in german now you also been to germany right yes i did i did go to germany after my masters in 2011 in fact that was the immediately the next day after my final exams uh, it was a scholarship by a project called werte uh, welten the world of values werte welten um, which was organized by the university of tubingen uh, in south germany it's near stuttgart so it was an essay competition an international essay competition where my uh, essay got selected i was one of the 10 candidates who were selected to um come to germany and and spend the semester there i hope that was your first international journey um yeah as an adult yes that was my first international journey great so how was your experience it was an amazing experience you know um uh, right from the first flight um where the where the um stewards stewardess showed me the like you know she gave me the orientation to the internal um structure of the flight and how how things are um 
structured and where you know so basically it, that is where i got my first glimpse into accessibility which is missing somehow here in india it all started from there to rich like enriching varied cultural experiences intercultural experiences where i encountered students from not just from germany but also from the uk from from canada australia us and so on so you know having mastered the language really helped me at this point it played a crucial role because um my fascination for the language and for german culture only grew multifold and that is where i decided that i wanted to go back again to pursue my phd there were differences when it comes to accessibility in india and germany now what what exactly the difference is about well um it's about the attitude it's about the attitude it's not just about you know accessibility not that is what people think in india i mean you know at least uh, my experiences i i don't want to generalize anything but mostly it's confined to um accessible accessible um I mean, you know, paths, and then you have wheelchairs and ramps, and that is where our accessibility, our notion of accessibility, ends. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not saying that there are no field experts or we don't have accessibility experts who champion for this cause. Of course, we do. But uh, looking from a generic perspective, looking from the masses' perspective, people are hardly aware of what accessibility means. So, you know, in Germany. that this this is was was the basic uh, difference was all about that people the disability awareness is extremely high so whether i was traveling on the, uh, the bus or crossing the roads or just um, standing out there in the queue at grocery stores um, i always received help and this help was without any sympathy or pity you know Yeah. you are treated equally and people know how to help like um, for instance i had a friend who had a disability herself she um, had a cogn- uh, had a cognitive disability and yet she was taught in school how do do you help someone uh, with blindness or visual impairment right So I think that is what all the, I mean. This is a major difference. It's not just about, of course, given the fact that web accessibility and other parameters of accessibility are followed more strictly. But I think it's the human factor which matters the most. Doctor Urvi, you are so independent that, despite of lot of. lot of horrifying traffic conditions of mumbai you travel all alone independently in the city of dreams mumbai right now you you were alone in germany and you were traveling all alone in mumbai also now starting from your home till you reach your office starting from your home in germany until you reach your college in germany but the roads are same there are people on the road there are cars on the road the bikes on the roads infrastructure on the roads but what exactly makes a difference apart from apart from the basic people 
people's attitude what we just spoke about so i think the difference is really um palpable uh due to the fact that you know like if you're walking on jom i mean any streets in europe then you know that there are separate separate uh, lanes for pedestrians besides there are like you know if you are at the university or um, there are even on the streets there are certain markings due to which you can make out that you know um you like you don't you don't uh, forget your route easily or even small things like uh, there are, there is always a little difference um in the footpaths that we call and and uh, the actual roads where the streets are um there's a difference there so you're not going to land up on the street no matter what unless you actually uh, step down yes. besides the signals for example you know that that um, i mean there are accessible signals which actually make those beep sounds some of them vibrate and there are actual tactile indicators on those uh so when you cross the roads you know whether you have to turn right or left uh, uh i mean not exactly but you know you know the general direction where you head so um starting from all this uh, these these uh minor parameters these to, are not uh, minor these are important and i seriously obviously. wish i seriously wish government have to take this things very seriously and make india accessible yes indeed and i hope that that is executed sooner than later and good thing what i feel is you know modi ji started something cool for people with disability like making india accessible so let's hope all good and now now back to the subject now uh, in germany in germany uh your university like you know what kind of support you had from the university how cooperative they are it makes a lot of difference yeah, as i as i said um, accessibility awareness being so high disability awareness being so high people are really friendly at the university uh, which is fortunately the case also with at university of mumbai uh, wherein i had i mean you know i really had amazing teachers my guide professor sarana um, who i still look up to and who is still an inspiration for me uh, and uh, professor bhut uh, as well so these are uh, my teachers my uh, um, mentors have always been you know who uh, encouraged me to to um, perceive my dreams uh, in within the professional sphere uh, coming back to your question in germany yes it makes a difference uh, because you have like for instance if you want as a researcher you know you have to read through a lot of uh, material um not all books are accessible because um, they're not some of them are not digitalized so from that uh, perspective you always have assistance so in the beginning i had someone who was a mentor who was like a mentee who was assigned to me who helped me get oriented to the streets i was offered a pickup from the airport which i first declined i went alone sure. uh, i mean i traveled alone from frankfurt to gottingen from the airport to uh, my university town which is around more than 100 kilometers were you not scared no i love adventures i love challenges so i don't think i was scared about anything rather i was excited 
that you know i was i was beginning a new journey and i had loved the country so i was only happy that i was going back to germany again great yes please go on so once you reach your college from the airport yes so i had a, i had a, they had organized a, um a person i mean you know a pickup for me where uh, a, a research scholar dropped me like picked me up from the station and then you know she gave me the orientation to the mess and then of course the hostel where i stayed so she became she was my first friend in fact you know luckily we uh, <laughs> made uh, became friends in the course of time so that's how it all started and i made friends on the bus i met made friends everywhere uh, not because you know you can't you just don't go on blabbering with people but it's about these small interactions and as far as the university is concerned um you do have assistance from uh, like as i said i was given a pick up the first day then i like the professor herself my second guide uh, ensured that i was i had everything i required and also another uh, professor at the university out there uh, herself dropped by to help help me with the basic chores on the first day you know so there are no uh, unnecessary hierarchies like you know i am a professor and i won't help a student that that kind of an attitude doesn't doesn't exist so they just go out of their way to make you feel comfortable to make you feel at home of course there are exceptions to uh, this uh, but then those are everywhere right in all the spheres dr urvi like the day the day you got this solicitation of doctor so how was your feeling and your parents feeling about it it was absolutely out of this world so um my topic is about i mean my research topic delves into uh, non visual aesthetics so how does a visually impaired or a blind individual perceive aesthetically without the visual sense so it was a journey in itself this was an, a very unexpl- a relatively unexplored topic and uh, i not only had to dig out secondary uh, literature and references that's the reason i had applied for the phd scholarship in the first place in germany because in india there was hardly any material available and secondly um, you know generally people do have at least the primary literature like you know they know what they're going to work on but in my case i actually had to look up i mean i had to personally go and meet and actually uh, research on the blind authors whom uh, i had chosen for whose books i had chosen for the study so it was like starting from there from scratch and then building something entirely new so i have come up i have based my research on the rasa uh shastra rasa framework that uh, we have in uh, indian indian literature and art so i have added a new concept to the whole concept of navarasa so i have added uh this concept called adrishya rasa which means non visual aesthetic pleasure so it was a it was a it is one of till date it's one of those special days in my life but uh, this topic itself is a chapter adrushya rasa so could you please explain few more details about it 
to my listeners. Yes, indeed. So you know, I I still remember while I was presenting. So this was the first. I mean, you know, continuing with your previous question, and then I'll of course come to the topic. So uh, um, I still remember it was the first time that I involved my parents uh, in my actual research in the sense that they were sitting and listening to me present something. you know because uh, the research being otherwise in german they have hardly had the opportunity due to the linguistic barriers so it was it was yeah an amazing day where my parents and my sister uh, witnessed actually witnessed that apex point where i actually defended my phd thesis where this <laughs> where my brain child was actually born you know Yeah. So I mean, it it was and it was actually like one of those um, really fulfilling moments. Of obviously, that was the beginning. You know, it it is still about to. I mean, I am going to continue with the research. That's the starting point. So uh, coming to your next question, of course, um, Adrisha Rasa is basically about um, aesthetic perception, as I said. Now. there are various criteria is right like uh, how do you perceive as a blind or a low vision individual so how do you optimally utilize your four senses what uh, what is spatial perception if you are not blind by birth but but have turned blind later in life how does spatial perception relate to time perception you know um what are pictures what are colors so all these questions i have delved into and uh, i have worked with travelogues written by german speaking blind authors with the only exception of eric weinmeier who is the um, based in the usa and he is i mean his original book is in english touch the top he's the first blind man to climb uh, everest um so except for his book all the other travelogues are by are written by uh, german speaking blind and visually impaired authors now um so these were not just my research objects but also the starting point for me to analyze the aesthetic perception like um, you know colors for instance what are colors for an individual who has turned uh, who is who is blind by birth let's say so for the writer andy holzer who is an austrian uh, climber who is the second blind man to reach everest for him colors are purely tactile so colors can depict warmth at the same time they can be as cold and as distant a phenomenon that could ever exist so um that's how he identified colors uh, for me personally however colors are light forms you know um as a child i was taught colors with the help of a device which um, had you know like small um tiny light bulbs and then i could you know pegs 
basically, which um, I could use to identify um, different colors. So that is how my color concept has has uh, evolved. Interestingly, however, um, now that I had experienced painting um, recently, I had I had been to a friend's exhibit who was who was um, into calligraphy and painting. So she had she had exhibited paintings with dots, and um, that is where I realized that when it came to painting. I associated colors more with tactile and olfactory sense. So if she was talking about orange, let's say, not exactly orange because you, you hardly use orange in a painting in that way. But as an example, if she was talking about orange, then I could actually imagine that moist. I, I used to use um, scented colors, by the way, as a child to paint. So uh, while at school, I used to have tactile paintings, um, I mean, drawings, which I used to paint. So um, that was the association which is stuck, stuck so with me and, and um, uh, basically has helped me shape that aspect. So if it's orange, then it had that... Um, Tactile feel, probably, which a moist tactile feel with which I could associate with orange and uh, combined with the fragrance that uh, an orange emits, you know. Yeah. So these are my color concepts. So they are not visual, of course. That is how the concept of Adrisha Rasa has evolved in its, uh, evolved in its way. It's, it's different aspects, you know, um, be, whether special, spatial perception or colors, pictures, um and it is it is an ongoing process so my research would be an ongoing um endeavor and uh, you are also contributing towards the disabled community because you also own a foundation which trains people with disability for various things to make them independent, right? So um, once I was done with my research, I uh, went back to Germany for a year and then I came back again due to the pandemic. Um, so, you know, it was then when I realized that, you know, I had tried, I had struggled with applying for jobs in Germany and uh, for postdoc positions uh, primarily. Um, that is where I realized how would an average Indian um, who is confronting disability, particularly uh, visual disability, how would she or he survive, you know, if they don't have the required resources? I was fortunate enough that my parents went out of their way to um, provide me everything with, with whatever I needed. And they could think out of the box. They could think creatively when I couldn't do it for myself. And uh, they nurtured me in that uh, way. They nurtured um, the not just the creative aspect in me, but also, you know, this conscious woman that you see, the person who can stand up for herself today. But, you know, as you rightly pointed out, it's not the case always. Uh, professionally, particularly, I realized that there's a huge gap when it comes to um, university education and stepping out there in the professional world. I had already worked before I went to Germany. Uh, in 2014, I had worked with 
this multinational firm called Lionbridge Technologies. I worked as a local translation and localization uh, professional. So that is where I realized that, you know, we need to bridge these gaps. There's a lot of, um, I mean, there are a lot of chunks which are still missing in that puzzle. Like it's not just the blind or the low vision uh, students who have no idea how to navigate themselves in the corporate world, uh, but also sighted colleagues, the mainstream colleagues who have no idea how to deal with someone, how to interact with some uh, with a candidate or with a colleague with visual impairments. So, you know, that is that was the intent. And, you know, I didn't want my research to be confined to books. So that is where um, I started. I decided to come up with this foundation. Uh, it is a joint endeavor. However, um, my friend Rita Rego and I, we started the foundation. Um, Rita is um, into human resources and who has been in the perfumery industry for um, yeah more than 20, 25 years now. So um, that is where we started to it. So, you know, I, I, um, yeah, I never, if it's a friend or if it's a, if it's a professional um, colleague or a, or a collaborator, I don't think disability uh, plays a role because what matters is whether you can work jointly and whether your, your wavelengths match, whether you can actually uh, Correct. Yes. You know, share your ideas and share because you can work with shared vision. So that is how it all started. And we ensure in the foundation that students realize their potential. It's always, you know, I'm sure you must have experienced this as well, that um, we always told, oh, poor blind guy, you know, he doesn't have <laughs> Bichara. Yeah, exactly. So that's not the case. Our four senses are our strength. And that is what students need to understand in professional terms. Firstly, and then, of course, on the personal front, because then they'll be independent to, um, you know, maneuver their own lives. So we decided to start with basic training because that is where students begin to really, you know, they have no um, skills, to, like basic language skills, computer skills, and so on. Mobility training is a very crucial aspect here, um, which is which is really neglected and which is in a very sorry state at this, at this point in our country. In fact, I'm the best example for that because mobility, really, mobility was neglected in my case and and uh, I still feel so much of dependency because of that. Yeah, I think it's never too late. You can start now. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. And, uh, you know, those days when you got trained, I'm sure mm -hmm. you, you got yourself trained from such kind of foundations, right? Um. Well, my... Uh, mobility training was done by one of the renowned organizations in India. Uh, sadly, the trainer was not skilled at all and she just used to, uh, you know, <laughs> leave me on the streets and leave me on my own if, if cited, uh, like, you know, if, if people asked her whether they should help me, um, she just ignore them. So I think one of the, one such experiences which actually deterred me from, you know, 
I mean, I just didn't touch my cane for a couple of years. Was um, I was just walking by, and as a 12 year old, you know, you I mean, as an adult now, I just go and ask individuals. I mean, people whom I encounter for for help. But back then, as a child, you know, you're not so comfortable with that. Um, but then, and that was a time where I encountered, I was just walking by, there were a couple of vegetable vendors and I had to, I was near a bus depot trying to find my way out. And suddenly a monkey sprang up behind me, grabbed my dress and tried to grab my cane. <laughs> so I was so baffled, you know, as I said, as an adult, I would have loved that now. If something hap- like that happens to me now, I would be super excited. But as a child, I was baffled. So I just ran for it. I just hit a rickshaw. It was it was luckily stationary, so I didn't meet with an accident. Um, that was one of those. Uh, and a couple of more events like these. And I was really fed up with mobility. I didn't I didn't touch my cane for around And that five frustration made you so strong. I'm sure yeah. about that. But then it didn't stop me from traveling by local trains or uh, doing what I was doing otherwise. So um, I, I re, um, you know, rehashed my mobility skills, my mobility training in Germany again. And uh, cutting to the chase, uh, I thought that should be the kind of training my students should also receive here. So basically, you, uh, you know, um, you're taught not just to um, look out for auditory cues or for, you know, tactile cues, but you actually are trained how to listen to uh, landscapes. You're actually trained to listen to, um, to actually distinguish between soundscapes whilst you're navigating the streets, you know. So it could be um, if you're, um, you know, in a in a place where there's a roof above you. So how does your what what sounds do, does your cane actually emit there in an enclosed space and uh, on a different texture? Whilst I mean, in contrast, when you're in nature and you just have soil and it's a completely open space with trees, for instance. This is very new because. Uh... I think you are incorporating your Adrusya Rasa into your mobility training stuff, right? Yes, certainly. Wow. So, what is the name of your organization? It's called Esthesis Foundation for Visually Impaired. A-E-S-T-H-E-S-I-S Foundation for Visually Impaired. It's a Greek word which means perception. Okay, how how do people reach you? Uh, there's a website. Yeah, so please, um, whoever is interested can uh, log on to our website. It's just thisisfoundation.org. Um, where you can check out the foundation and just learn more. Also, um, there are a couple of, you know, if you if you put it on YouTube, you also get uh, a YouTube channel. You can access us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. So you have students from all over the country? Oh, yes. Uh, we have students from Pan India. So we just recently, um, so we have, um, like, we just recently finished our batch of fundamentals, like that's a basic course where we conduct uh, language, uh, I mean, 
English, basic English training, computer skills, soft skills, mobility and uh, orientation and so on and so forth. And then we have a more specialized course, uh, which entails uh, more advanced courses. Like I personally uh, conduct German as a foreign language uh, training for students. Then uh, we have perfumery and so on and so forth. Wow. So you also train uh, German language to the students, right? Um, yes, we do. Uh, and also, like, we try to, like, um, you know, now the exams are internal, but we are eventually trying to collaborate with other institutes and help them prepare for the external uh, exams, you know, so that the interested candidates can actually pursue their career further. Dr. Urvi, you are working with, uh, with a very reputed organization, Capgemini, right? Yes. So how, how uh, you started with this organization, when and uh, how accessible is your office? So basically, I started with the foundation in 2021. And, um, you know, my, my mission was that the foundation should be up and running within, you know, a couple of years. And that's what we achieved, you know. And then, I mean, uh, when I realized that the foundation was um, at a position where I could um, focus a little more time uh, on my own career, I decided to um, transition again, you know. It was, again, time for a career change. So I decided to apply for a couple of jobs and... and uh, it was actually a conflict between the academia and the industry. And, um, well, at least at this point, it seems that um, the industrial uh, aspect has the upper hand. So I joined Capgemini in November 2022 as a language expert. So, yeah, coming to your question about accessibility, um, well, I would say that colleagues are really open-minded and um, my first manager was, I mean, has been my mentor and also the team lead who has been really um, open and, and keen to uh, integrate me into the team and also, um, you know, entrust me with a lot of other responsibilities. So, um and basically, people are really open, you know, they are forthcoming and uh, approachable and they would help you out if you need any help. So I think that's really the best part of it. Having said that, I would say that um, it's really, really an irksome task to navigate um, the corporate world, especially during your, your early days. Like, you know, for instance, um, not just the elevators are inaccessible because it's all visual, right? You are you are supposed to navigate with that screen and without any any other aids. Um, but also simple things like the water cooler or the coffee machines are inaccessible. Like you can't you can't really um, like I couldn't do anything in the breakout room without asking for sighted help. Ah. But then again, there are two sides to the coin, you know, that actually gave me ample opportunities to talk to people around me, to actually um, make new acquaintances. That, that, that is to take things positively. 
<laughs> so um, I think accessibility has a long way to go in our okay. and, uh, uh, landscape. But company have also, uh, you know, gave their best to provide you accessible tools uh, in your workstation, right? Well, that was a bit of a struggle. I mean, uh, you know, um, now after six months that uh, I have proved my worth and uh, basically it's uh, it's difficult, you know, even, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I started with Windows Narrator, for instance. That's my favorite. And you know, it could be a nightmare switching from JAWS to Narrator. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I started with narrator. I've grappled with it for the past six months now, but there is always light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, hence now finally um, it looks like I'm gonna get jaws soon because almost all the approvals are in place. So basically, uh, company wants to help. The team wants to help, uh, but you know all these irksome, pro- time-consuming processes. It just takes really long till uh, you have the actual outcomes. So till then, it's your task to prove yourself, to actually be at par with your sighted counterparts um, and and colleagues and, you know, prove your mettle, show them that you can do it. Dr. Urvi, what message you would like to give it to the women who are actually suffering with disabilities? I won't really generalize anything you know because each one of us has their own set of difficulties to deal with so um well the only thing i would say is um never give up and um, i think you need to believe in yourself and have that passion and not let that passion die no matter come what may um, you have to believe in yourself because the world is always, you have to have that. I know it's easier said than done. There are days where you feel like giving up. There are days where you would be so depressed that you would be like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is it really worth the effort? So, you know, there would be those phases. Uh, but I think at the end, if you really love your work or you you really love your um um, well, whatever, whatever, whether it's research or it's your job. And and by loving it, I'm not saying, uh, I mean, at least um, for me, it is like that. I really have to love what I do. Only then can I, um, you know, go ahead and give my 100% to it. So I would just want to say to all, all of them that just don't give up and just believe in yourself. And at the end, you'll definitely um, emerge stronger. Every every guest in my show have to answer this. There is no way that you ha- you have to say no. There is no uh, such you know exception. Now I'm putting this question to you. Uh, if you have all the powers to change something in this country what that would be, Dr. Urvi? <laughs> I would personally make the country, I don't know, obviously, you know, from the accessibility point of view, um, that I've, I mean, I would like to ensure that we have the kind of accessibility that um, 
I have enjoyed elsewhere in this world because I've also resided in the US. I was there um, in 2016 for a conference and also last year in 2022, uh, whilst I completed some training, I mean, further training from Goethe Institute in New, uh, New York. Yeah. So um, I would personally really ensure that we have not just, you know, and by accessible, as I said, I, I don't mean just accessible streets or accessible um, websites or, you know, not just about software accessibility and, and about overcoming barriers, but it's about being treated equally. And that is what I would do in all my power, power to, you know, raise that disability awareness and being treated equally. Awesome. And uh, tell me something about your family. Yes, so I owe all my success to my parents, as I mentioned in the beginning. So I I stay with my parents and also um, my little sister, who is who is a student, who is, um, you know, in, who is studying, uh, currently who is studying engineering, so electronic engineering so that my i mean you know my family means the world to me and i have a cat wow what's its name uh, her name is missy she just turned 11 a week ago so i am a pet lover too she must be a good friend oh yes indeed but unfortunately india is not yet ready for a, a pet guides right <laughs> Oh yes, guide dog. That that's my dream, you know, to have my own guide dog, which didn't hasn't materialized so far, exactly. but it will eventually. It is really so awesome talking to you, Doctor Uri. It's, it it was a wonderful show, and I wish you all the. You are already successful, I know, but still, I, I wish you all so the power, all the happiness. I wish you a lot of wealth, health, and happiness throughout your life. And keep inspiring people, uh, achieve more and more. And you're already a supermodel and you're already a role model. But still, but still, I honestly want you to acquire the full power to bring the change what actually you are anticipating in this country yes nice good talking to you dr urvi thanks for the opportunity thank you Simon. thank you thank you for bye this bye. conversation thank you for having me on the show